I believe their connection has been made. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. Good morning to those of you who are uh, at home for various reasons, um, including our pastor, who is under the weather. He assures me that he does not have COVID, but that he is uh, sick with something a lot less serious, like the flu. And in case you haven't noticed, uh, there have been a lot of people that have been getting sick with a lot of things, and they've pulled themselves out of the mainstream of life uh, because we are trying to take care of each other, which is a good thing to do. Um, And I want to take a minute before I start speaking this morning to invite you to pray with me for all of those folks. I mean, Tim is not the only, Pastor Tim is not the only person at home because he doesn't feel well. Um, There are other people in our body, in our church family that we haven't seen here, really some of them for quite some time because they're not feeling well or they they don't trust the circumstances um, and the times that we're in. And for whatever the reasons are, we just want to hold them up before the Lord and and let them know that we miss them, that we miss them, and that we're glad that they're tuning in, but man, we look forward to the day when we can all be together in person again. So would you pray with me to that end? Heavenly Father, we stand before you this morning grateful that uh, you are a God that never changes. Well, we thank you so much for um, your provision for us, for your watch care, for your great love. And we ask that you would uh, send your Holy Spirit into each and every home of each person who is not here this morning that would like to be here. Uh, We think of them now in the quietness of our hearts by names. And and as we name them before you, um, we just pray for a special dispensation of your presence and of your power and for healing. In each, of the, in each of the places where it needs to be. There are some that, uh, that are battling long-term problems. And some that are sick in ways that uh, the doctors can't even really diagnose well. And we rejoice with you for each time they come back to us. And now we commit this time to you and pray that your Holy Spirit would empower the words that are spoken, that they would be your words, that the thoughts that cross our minds would be your thoughts, and that the response that we have to to what is shared this morning would be life-changing. In this season and in the seasons of our lives yet to come. For we ask it in the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen. I am thrilled, personally, that Terry is here this morning. I know many of you have missed him. Um, He rode in on a red sleigh (laughs) and parked it there in the back. And we are, we are, 
if you if you come back next week, there'll be a sign there that says no parking or reserve. <laughs> and we'll know that that's, uh, that's set aside for him. It's just great to see you. Just great to see you. Well, <coughs> I have an important announcement. Are, are you curious? Are you listening? Sharon and I are not expecting another child. Well, we kind of are. We are getting another grandchild in May, and uh, we're thrilled about that. But you're probably wondering why I even said that. But, but the, that opening statement might have hooked you into paying attention because there was a chance that what I was going to say might actually have been important to you. <laughs> As it turns out, not having another child at our age is uh, understandable, expected, and no surprise at all to most of you. We like to know things, don't we? Don't we like to know things? Uh, Sharon has said to me several times this week, we don't seem to know things. And she was talking about the things that we ask each other that we don't know how to answer. Like, have you heard how so-and-so's doing? No, I haven't. You think they're getting better? I don't know. I haven't heard. Didn't you get that part? You know, you maybe don't have conversations like that at your home, but we do sometimes more often than we'd like. We like to know things. Information connects us. It connects us. That's what 3x3s do, by the way. And if you didn't sign up for a 3x3 this time, you're missing out. You're missing out. So when the next round comes, get your name on those papers so you can find out about other people. So you can learn where they came from and what their story is and what things they're walking through. And those, as those relationships build here within our church family, then we stand in a position to help one another, to encourage one another. And that's important. It's important for the health of our church family and for the health of the kingdom of God as we try to move forward together. Information connects us. That's why social media is so powerful. And when something comes in the mail that's addressed to you and it's not a bill or it's not an advertisement, do you set it aside and say, oh, I'll just open that later? Do you? No. You want to open that one first. Even though you know it's going to be another Christmas newsletter. You still want to open it up. You still want to open it up. And you do so with a measure of expectancy. You get an announcement. Save the date. Well, you are invited to a birthday. Did you see the parties that were listed in the video? I didn't know they were going to be listed, but listen to what I wrote here. You're invited to a birthday, a shower, a wedding, a retirement party, an engagement party, a graduation party. What it, is it about that? We like being included. We like to know what's going on. Announcements come in all kinds of forms. They are written. They are spoken. 
There are announcements that are on TV, we call them advertisements, or in magazines or newspapers, or even behind small planes, or on blimps, or on the sides of buses. Singing telegrams are one kind of announcement. I was reminded of that last night when I went to the Barrow to see Elf. A theatrical rendition of a wildly funny movie. And the singing telegram was just as funny on stage as it was in the film. I'm singing, I'm singing. All announcements have one thing in common, though. They're meant to inform us. They're meant to inform us. And what they do inform us about might not be as important to all of us as it is to some. How many of you remember being in high school? How many of you hope that someday you'll make it to high school? Okay, there's still a few there like that. My high school days... Uh, as a student and as a teacher, always began with the morning announcements. Is that a familiar thing? Yeah. How many of you actually listened to those? When our secretary read them at Keystone, most of the people, I will confess, me from time to time, wasn't even, I didn't even really pay attention. I could tell you what the last announcement of the day was, though. Of, of the morning announcement that this time all cell phones should be turned off and remain off until dismissal. Do you think that happened? <laughs> Heck no, it didn't happen. And it didn't happen because people just kind of dismissed that thing. We dismiss stuff that's familiar to us. But if the morning announcements, if the secretary's voice stopped, and the principal's voice came on, all of a sudden there was a higher level of attention. That's why advertisers use people who are celebrities to pitch their products and services. Can you think of any? Joe Namath. You see, have you seen the Joe Namath advertisement? He doesn't look anything like he looked when he played for the Jets. Or Pat Boone. Pat Boone's been on a gazillion thing, different things. William Shatner and others. They show up on our televisions. They get us to buy Medicare supplemental insurance. They get us to buy Royal Jelly. They get us to use Hotels.com or whatever it happens to be. The truth is that some announcements may actually be important. And the spokesperson chosen to bring the announcement gives some indication of that. When a governor speaks about a natural disaster or tragedy like the recent tornadoes in Kentucky, you can be sure that the people are paying attention, especially the people that he's addressing in his own state. Today we're going to consider a few of the announcements that came not from a company pitching a product, but from the creator of the universe. Now these are important announcements. In fact, they're so important that I think they're that I would call today's message the announcement that changed the world. 
brought to you by angels. Our Father had some things to say to people, and for some of those things, He chose this method of announcement, angels, that was impossible to ignore. It was impossible to ignore. In this Advent season, it's appropriate that we look at these angelic announcements and ask ourselves two questions. Why did God choose angels to make these announcements? And what do these announcements mean to us today? Let's begin with trying to answer the first question. Why did God choose angels? A lot of questions conjure up other questions. Would you agree? Well, what questions come to mind when you're thinking about angels? Well, I had a couple. Who are these guys? And what function do they have? A simple explanation is found in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. I don't know if I'm doing... There we go. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Now, have you ever thought about that? I mean, that's a little definition tucked right there in the beginning of Hebrews. And the, be- and the whole book of Hebrews in chapter 1 and 2 makes a number of references to angels. It'd be worth taking a look at it. But there's the definition. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve hmm, those who will inherit salvation? That sounds very good. I mean, I think I'm in the salvation camp. That means that I have angels waiting to serve me. Wow. Puts you in a position of pretty nice place. Angels serving me. Angels possess great power, and they do the bidding of the Lord if they choose to be obedient. And as Scripture tells us, not all of them made that choice. In Jude chapter 1, verse 6, we read this. I don't know how big this is back here. Can you read that? Good. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling, these... He has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. And in 2 Peter, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, there's some pretty dramatic things. Why? Because not all angels obey God. You see, God, when he created the angels, he gave them the same gift that he gave to men. And that was freedom of choice. Freedom of choice. And for the angels who decided to be obedient to God, he employs them as the ministering spirits that we read about in that earlier definition. But for those who decided to rebel against God and to not be obedient, they are in a bad place. And frankly, it's not going to get much better for them. In the story of the birth of the Messiah, as it's recorded in Matthew and Luke, we hear of several announcements by angels. 
chronologically, the first angelic announcement appears in Luke chapter 1, when Gabriel appears to Zechariah. And he shows up to inform him that his wife, Elizabeth, will be having a son, and they are to call him John. Here's the passage, Luke chapter 1, verses 11 to 13. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. Notice that Zechariah responded to the angel showing up by being afraid. I imagine that the appearance of an angelic being would strike some fear into anyone. I've never had that experience, but I can only imagine what it would be like. I mean, didn't Goliath strike fear into the, to the hearts of the Israelites? Why? Well, I mean, the fact was he was about nine feet tall, it says. Ginormous. Had to have somebody carrying his shield because it was so big. Intimidating intimidating to be sure i don't know how big angels are but they could be pretty big they're powerful remember and they're created to minister and the scripture says they they are fighters warriors against the forces of evil but the angel reassures zechariah to not be afraid because he is God's messenger. He is a representative of God's goodness to those he loves. And Gabriel shows up later, this time to Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Do not be afraid. Similar phrase, wasn't it? I mean, he said that to Zechariah, and now he's saying it to Mary. And then he goes on, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him 
the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Two pronouncements of birth in unlikely scenarios. One to Zechariah and Elizabeth, a couple that were advanced in age, very unlikely to have children under normal circumstances. And another to a couple that had not yet been married. No consummation of the relationship. Two miraculous births announced by angels, actually by the same angels. And then there's a third encounter with angels having to deal with the birth of Christ. And this one is in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. And it says this, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. There it is again. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. What an announcement. What an announcement. First to Zechariah, then to Mary. And then God doesn't leave any bases uncovered. He speaks to the to the fiancé. He speaks to the husband-to-be who would have just quietly tried to do the right thing according to the law. The compassion triumphs over the law. Compassion trumps it. And God intervenes in a way that is surprising. And Joseph chooses to believe God and to do what he's instructed by an angel to do. And he marries Mary anyway. So just just what is God's purpose in using angels to make these announcements? I think the purpose of God doing that is so that you and I will pay attention to what they're saying to us on his behalf. Well, wait wait a minute. We're not Zechariah. 
we're not Mary, we're not Joseph. What do you mean, saying to us? What, what do you mean? Just like the spokespersons for companies or governments, these announcements are not to be kept to ourselves. The miraculous births of John the Baptist and Jesus were recorded in the scriptures so that we would know that they happened at the behest of God himself. They weren't circumstantial. They were miraculous. And because they were miraculous, what we celebrate in this season is miraculous. And anything that's miraculous deserves to be noted because every miracle from God points back to him and gives him the glory that he deserves. And as he is wont to do, he's not done yet. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Now let me pause right there. Do you know where shepherds were in like the hierarchy of the day? Do you think they were nearer the top, middle, or bottom? Bottom. Bottom is correct. A lot of you said bottom. Some of you didn't answer, and that's okay. I'm not grading you. They were at the bottom. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. An angel, again, appearing to not the leaders... Not the merchants and middle class, but to shepherds. To shepherds, to lowly, poor, smelly shepherds. I only know they're smelly because there was a marked lack of laundromats around Bethlehem in that time. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. It didn't say they were afraid. It says they were terrified. Now, if you have a choice of being afraid or being terrified, which one do you want to take? You can be afraid quietly. You can even, like, be afraid and hide being afraid. But if you're terrified, I will tell you, someone will notice Someone will notice because terror is the fear that is so strong, it changes how you look, how you speak, and how you act. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, here come those four words again, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. 
Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. A single angel comes to a group of shepherds on a lonely hill outside a small village in Judah. Not exactly the target group for a big announcement. But that's who God chose. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Why didn't he speak to the, to the highbrow people? Why didn't he reach out to, the, to everybody? Why didn't he wake the whole town up? Or the whole country for that matter? Why did he do that? I'll try that again. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and the weak things of the world to shame the strong. I don't know why he picked that. I don't know why he picked shepherds. But I know he knows. And if I can trust him, I don't have to know the whys. I just have to know the what's. God's choices over and over show us that he is not a respecter of persons. He will use anyone to accomplish his purposes. Anyone can be an agent of the Most High. All we have to do is be willing. All we have to do is be willing. And where we are not able, he doesn't care. If we're available, that's all he wants. To say to him, here I am, use me. And in this case, these guys were out in the field. They weren't doing anything but watching their sheep. They were available. And they were willing. And they were paying attention. But they had no idea of what was yet to come. As if this announcement wasn't startling enough. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, if one angel scares the bejeepers out of you, imagine what a sky full of angels praising God will do. You think that would make a lasting impression? You bet it would. I think it would be an experience that not only you couldn't ignore, but it'd be one that you couldn't forget. When the angels had left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, 
which the Lord has told us about. And that, that is what they did. They left their sheep. I mean, that was their livelihood, but they left them. And they walked into town. How did they know where to go? None of them had their GPS. None of them knew the address. None of them even knew what was going on until that announcement came. And yet they were obedient and walked down from those fields into town. And they didn't just stroll leisurely. They hurried off. They were quick. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When God speaks and we pay attention, we don't have a choice. I mean, I guess we do have a choice, but if we understand that it's God's voice that we're hearing, we're going to be motivated to get off our hillside, to leave whatever is holding us back and go where he sends us and to do what he wants us to do. And then they did what we would all do. They picked up the phone and called the number on the screen so they could get the bonus offer available only for the first 100 callers for free. Just pay a small delivery charge. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Did they have any idea when they went up on that hill that night with their flocks, what was going to happen? Did they have a clue? And then out of nowhere, poof, here's this angel. And they're shook up and the angel says to them, don't be afraid, I have good news for you. Today is a Savior born. Today your Messiah has come. And they went and found him because they were told to and they couldn't keep quiet about it. They couldn't. Why is this important to us? Well, this story itself is more than a story. This is the fulfillment of prophecy. This is God bringing to pass what was promised to the world 
through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. In the very first book of the Bible, we see it. Genesis chapter 12. I will bless those... God is speaking to Abraham here. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And later in Genesis 26, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed. God promised that. And it happened hundreds of years before Jesus was born. And now he was bringing it to, into being. He was bringing it into being. That's why it's important to us. Because the God who has called us and the God to whom we've responded has given us in the scriptures the story of what he promised and how he fulfilled that promise. It underscores his faithfulness yet again. Paul even reminds us of this. In the New Testament in Galatians chapter 3 when he writes, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles, that's you and I, by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham, all nations will be blessed through you. And somewhere in between those promises made to Abraham and the birth of Jesus, he inspired the prophet Isaiah. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. God with you and, and me. God in this room. God in this town. God within us. All those promises given to Abraham, the very first Jew. The very first Jew. And they are for us and for all people. We have an announcement to make that the world needs to hear. God is with us. There are people all around us who don't know this. They don't know that God is with us. They don't see God in us. They don't see God around them. The scripture says the eyes of those who, who are not believers are blinded. They can't see the light of the gospel. So what do we have to do? What do you do if you, if you can't see a light? If you, if you put your computer screen on or you, you're looking at your phone and you can't see it real well, what do you do? Turn the brightness up. You make it brighter. And if they can't see 
God with us, God in us. What do we have to do? Turn the brightness up. Turn the God in you up. How do you do that? Find, you start finding ways. You start realizing that your life apart from God really doesn't carry a lot of water. You might not think of yourself as being very important. But to God, you are. You were important enough. You were important enough for him to send Jesus for you. You were important enough that Jesus accepted everything that you will ever do wrong and forgave you for it. And not only does that, but he gives you eternal life as the byproduct of it. He is the one who is saying to us, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. In this world, you will have many troubles, but take heart, what? I have overcome the world. John chapter 16, verse 33. It's not up on the screen. I have overcome the world. He inspired 12 men who lived with him and walked with him and ate with him and listened to him to say, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Why? Because God knew, Christ knew, they knew that everything that we were going to experience was going to do everything it could to put out that light, to smear the colors, to blur the lines of right and wrong. To give people a place to question. Look what's happened to Christmas. Look what's happened to Christmas in your lifetime. When I was a young boy, Christmas season began right after Thanksgiving. When's it start now? I don't even want to know. After the 4th of July, probably. You know? <clears throat> I'm surprised they're not already starting for next Christmas. This one hasn't even been here yet. Because it's no longer about Jesus. It's no longer about Him. It's about selling and making money and being happy and giving gifts. And it's about, you can't tell me what to believe and I don't want that nativity scene. And I don't say Merry Christmas. I say Happy Holiday. Good. Happy holidays is a nice, nice sentiment. But you know what? The world doesn't need happy holidays. The world needs God is with us. God is with us. And when you recognize that God's with us, you're accepting some things that are that they don't want. You're accepting accountability. You're accepting responsibility. But you know what? That is the good news. That's the news. That's the answer to every single need there is. That's the hope that is the anchor for the soul. Will our conversations be about the, the latest sales or, or what we're getting for somebody this year or where we're going? Will it be about 
who has COVID now? What's the government doing now? How high is the price of gas going to go now? And will we be like the shepherds who paid attention to an announcement that came to them? They spread the word. They spread the word. Will we make the birth of Jesus a central part of our Christmas conversations? Can we do that? I, I don't have the answer to how do you do it. But you know what? Any time in my life when I have set my, my mind and my heart to try to step into an area that I have never been in before, God finds a way to make it happen. He finds a way for me to say something that I never would have thought to say. He gives me a word at a time that I don't even really realize it's Him giving me the word until I say it and I watch what happens to somebody else's face to someone else's countenance, and I know that what I have just spoken has hit them in their heart, has given them something to think about that they weren't thinking about before. That's what we should be doing. Rely on Him. Rely on Him. Pray. Give me the words. Let me know what to say. Open my eyes so I can see the people that need to know that truth. And find a way to, to speak hope into their life. To speak encouragement into their life. Because they need it. Will we make the birth of Jesus a central part of our Christmas conversation? Will we make room in the crowded thoughts of our own minds to consider that announcement and what it meant then and now? Can we live this season with the hope for peace that was proclaimed by reminding ourselves of what was told to the shepherds? Do not be afraid. Do you think there are people around us who are afraid? Do you? Absolutely they're afraid. Absolutely they're afraid. But the angel's message was what? In every case, it was what? Do. Say it again. Do not be afraid. Why? Because God is with us. God is with us. And if He is with us, who can be against us? And isn't that good news? And isn't that what this is about? God is with us. Spread the word. And ask the worship team to come. And I want to I challenge you, as they do. I, I don't really know what's on your, your schedule for the next couple of weeks. 
I don't know where you're going. I don't know who you're going to see. I don't know what you're going to experience. But I know one thing. If you will purpose yourself to spread this word, to show God is with us, to turn up the brightness in your heart, then your life will become an announcement. You may not, well, you are not an angel. (laughs) I was going to say you may not be one, but you are not an angel. I am not an angel. But you know what? We are still able. We are still able to do what shepherds did. There's not one person here that is unable to do that. All we have to do is ask God to make it possible through us. Then we can join the announcement. We can join the choir of angels that showed up in that sky that night. We can take place next to heavenly beings and say a truth that this world desperately needs to hear. Not just in this season, especially in this season, but not just in this season, but always.